a video version of this podcast is available at AboundingJoy.com and also on our YouTube pages. Hey guys, thanks for joining me today for what I think is an extremely important topic for our current times. Let me share a news item just this week, August the 9th, 2021. This is from the Daily Wire. The headline was, Atlantic Public School told Catholic couple to remove child from district if they want to avoid LGBTQ plus issues in kindergarten. Now, I'm not going to read the whole article, but let me read just a few sentences to you. I'm quoting. An Atlanta public elementary school principal told a Catholic couple that their child would need to leave the district to avoid learning about LGBTQ plus issues at the age of five. An Atlanta couple who wishes to remain anonymous for fear of retribution obtained a copy of their child's incoming teacher's Amazon classroom wish list. The parents were startled by several of the books, many of which reference sexual orientation, transgenderism, and progressive ideology. Examples of books include Stella Brings the Family, which tells the story of a gay couple, I Am Jazz, which discusses transgenderism, And our class is a family which encourages children to view the classroom instead of their parents as their source of support. The article says that the father of the five-year-old wrote a note to the principal saying, and again I'm quoting, we feel it would be best for both you and our family if our child was moved to another classroom that could be more accommodating towards our concerns regarding the book topics. But the article reports that the principal said if the Catholic parents wish to uphold their traditional values, switching classrooms will not quell their fears as the district promotes this agenda in every classroom. Now that's all I'll quote for now. The article goes on. This is the day in which we live. You understand that? When the Apostle Paul left a final message with the Christian leaders at the church at Ephesus, he warned them that the time would come when they would have to deal with wolves. He said, I'm quoting him, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Jesus had already used this metaphor with his disciples. Matthew tells us that Jesus said, behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Jesus also said, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. So in the Bible, God often compares himself, you probably remember this, as a shepherd, the good shepherd. Of course, we've got the shepherd's psalm. And he compares us, his kids, to sheep. And he warns us, that there are wolves, ravenous wolves in the world who are out to devour the sheep if they're given the opportunity. But it's a very powerful metaphorical picture, isn't it? I mean, it's a a shocking picture, isn't it? It's easy for us to envision 
We can see in our mind's eye a hungry wolf sneaking up on, capturing, devouring a wandering sheep. It makes us shudder, doesn't it? I think God intended for it to make us shudder, don't you? It's meant to be a shocking kind of metaphor. It would get our attention. In Ephesians chapter 6, God warns us more plainly, and by that I mean just non-metaphorical. The metaphor is pretty plain. <laughs> but we're engaged in a very serious, very deadly spiritual warfare. Let's look at part of that passage again, beginning at verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. And, of course, he goes on. So God's warned us very clearly of this danger that we face. Through the centuries, our enemy, the devil, has come up with all kinds of strategies and tactics to accomplish his goal of attempting to devour the flock of God. And I'm making this video today to try to help us get equipped to deal with some of his most vicious and subtle and crafty and sadly very effective tactics that he's using today to try to devour our kids. Across the United States today, there are many, many educators, teachers, administrators in public schools, of course in colleges and universities, but I'm thinking of lower grades right now, even in some cases in our private schools, who are beginning to embrace some very unbiblical, anti-Christian ideas. And in many places, they're beginning to subtly, actually sometimes not so subtly, but they're beginning to lead our kids to think in these very non-Christian ways. And unfortunately, I believe that some of these educators fit the category of the wolves that Jesus and Paul were warning Christians about. I'm thinking of people who teach things like critical theory. They've, they've embraced it. Or secularism, various ways, they've embraced it. And things like the sexual and gender revolution that's just swept over the whole world these days. It's very hard to predict which teachers may have been influenced and deceived by Satan's tactics. But listen, I want to remind you, now listen, this is important. The teachers themselves are not the enemy. Do you understand that? They're not the enemy. They may have been deceived, some of them, by the real enemy to be unwitting tools of his, but the enemy is Satan. The enemy is Satan and his kingdom, his demons. Our war is never against educators. Our war is a spiritual war against Satan and his demons. We don't want to forget that. However, we have a responsibility to do all that we can to protect our kids from his attacks and today, that probably means having at least one and possibly many important conversations with people who are teaching our kids. 
So let me just ask you something right now. Do you know your kids' teachers? Are you praying for your kids' teachers? I'm serious. Are you praying for them? I don't mean just say the words. I mean, are you praying? <laughs> and how have you communicated with your kids' teachers? I want to encourage you to pray for your child's teachers by name. Lift them up to the Lord. Ask God to help them see his truth and help them not be deceived by the enemy's lies. Please pray for your kids' teachers. But after you've prayed, you need to schedule a meeting with them. Or while you pray, I guess. Don't stop praying. But you need to have a conversation with these people. And you may need to have more than one conversation. And you need to talk openly with your kids' teachers about these kinds of things. But listen to me. Please hear me all the way through here. Listen very carefully. It is so, so, so important that we Christians be very, very Christ-like in all of our conversations. It's not going to help at all if all we do is try to make a point and sound like we're spewing venom. If all we do is sound hateful or suspicious or irritated or angry, if we just sound like we're on the attack all the time, and don't misunderstand me, I know we're supposed to be angry at Satan and angry at sin and angry about his deceptions, but with these people that we're talking with, we better be careful how we sound. Please, please be gracious, be kind, be loving, be appreciative of teachers. Listen, guys, many teachers are doing their very best to help our kids learn what they need to learn. They're trying really hard, and many teachers really are Christians, and they have the same concerns you and I have. Many teachers feel frustrated by the administrative requirements and the legal requirements that they're having to deal with. Many of our teachers are praying that God will help them find the balance between being courageous and bold on one hand and not cowardly, but at the same time being wise and not being foolish. Guys, listen, that's not easy for teachers today. Finding that balance can be very, very tough. When I was a kid... <laughs> A teacher could simply tell the class that that class needed to trust Jesus. <laughs> the kids need to follow Jesus. They need to read their Bibles. A teacher could openly pray with his or her class anytime they might choose to do that or read the Bible with the class or encourage the kids to memorize verses. Listen, I don't know if you believe this or not, but it's true. We had school-wide mandatory, not voluntary, mandatory assemblies where pastors and missionaries would come into our school to talk to us kids about what it meant to be a follower of Jesus. They prayed with us. I'm talking about a public school now, guys. That's the way it was. That's a long time ago, I know. But today, if a Christian teacher decided, I'm going to do that today, <laughs> well, they'd be very bold, that's for sure, but probably very foolish probably lose his job pretty quickly, don't you think? Yeah. At the other extreme, sadly, there are some teachers today who identify themselves as Christians. Anyway, if you ask them point blank, are you a Christian? They would say yes, but they try to completely cover up their Christian light. 
And the students in their classes never hear that teacher say anything about being a Christian. They don't, they don't know if the teachers are Christian or not. Because some teachers, they consider themselves to be Christians, but they're so fearful of being criticized or fearful of getting into trouble because they're a Christian. Isn't that a sad? They try to hide their faith. I can actually remember right now a conversation I had with a teacher one time, called himself a Christian. But he felt, he said very clearly to me, that teachers need to save their Christianity for home or for church, not at school. It's not the place for it. Scary, isn't it? That's been several years ago now. It can be a very difficult thing to be a teacher who's a biblical Christian these days. And then, of course, you know there are some teachers who have totally swallowed the leftist secularist propaganda. They've embraced critical theory. They've embraced the sexual revolution and the gender revolution. They've just swallowed it. But listen, guys, if we give a teacher or administrator the impression that we're just there to preach to them or threaten them and that we really don't appreciate them, if we give them the impression that we're really not even trying to put ourselves in their place, having to deal with kids <laughs> and parents who come from all kinds of places in the worldview spectrum, not to mention the federal and state and county and maybe local administrators they have to deal with. If we don't seem to appreciate that, you know what? <laughs> that teacher's probably going to try to be nice to us. Most teachers try to be nice to our face anyway. And then get rid of us as quickly as they can and tell the other teachers, watch out for that guy. <laughs> but our influence is going to be very minor, you see. We're probably going to be more negatively influential than positive. You know, that's, that's really bad. We need to be Christ-like. We need to be gracious. We need to be kind in all our conversations. So can I just underline all that? I know you get tired of me repeating myself. We need to be aware that teachers are certainly going to be themselves all over the board when it comes to these issues. Some teachers are totally on board with the sexual revolution, the gender revolution, critical theory. Yes, they're out there. Some are outspokenly opposed to those things, although that's becoming more and more difficult for public school teachers to be outspoken about it. Some are out there trying to be what I call closet Christians. They realize that the sexual and gender revolution, critical theory, are really not good. They realize it's ungodly. They realize it's opposed to God's word, but they're fearful. They're fearful of losing their jobs. They're fearful of getting in trouble if they speak up or if they refuse to take a stand. So they hope they can stay quiet and stay under the radar screen. By the way, I don't think that's going to be able to go on very long. Eventually, teachers will be forced to take a stand one way or another, as will we all. And they're going to have to choose their job or God's word. Isn't that sad? It's very shocking. It's very sad that we've come to that place in America. This is where we are. So here's what I recommend. I would suggest that after you do a lot of praying, do you remember me saying that before? <laughs> yeah. Don't skip that step, guys. A lot of praying for the teacher and for yourself, asking for wisdom, asking for grace. But after a lot of praying, schedule a meeting with your child's teacher. You need to talk. And you need to start that meeting by expressing your appreciation for the extremely difficult, if not impossible, job they have. Show them that you understand that teachers today have an impossible job of working under a lot of stress that comes from kids from different kinds of backgrounds and parents who think very differently from each other. 
and from impossible rules and regulations and mandates that are coming down from federal, state, and county authorities, and that you know that that teacher is really trying his or her best to help kids in spite of all the junk they have to wade through. Teachers need to know that you appreciate their very difficult situation. They need to hear you say it. And then you might say something like this. Now, this is just a sample conversation. Something like this. I, I, I want you to know I really do appreciate how difficult it can be to be a teacher these days. I know it's not easy. And honestly, I've been praying for you. I really am. And I will keep praying for you. And I want to be a source of encouragement for you. I want to be a help for you if I can. I don't want to be just a thorn in your flesh. But having said that, I do have some concerns because of the day we're living in. I think you'll probably understand that. You see, I'm a biblical Christian. And I know, I can read, I can hear. I know that many schools across the country have begun to teach that this sexual revolution and this gender revolution is really a good thing. And that the LGBTQ, and the letters go on and on, that's why they got the plus sign. I, I know that they're teaching that movement's normal and good and healthy. And, and some teachers and educators are even beginning across the country to try to use transgender-friendly pronouns. And, and I know that a lot of schools are beginning to teach that critical theory is a good thing. But as a biblical Christian, I believe God created sex to be exclusively between a man and a woman who are married to each other. <laughs> And then all other sexual behavior is displeasing to God. It's sin. It has bad outcomes. I also believe that critical theory is based on a godless worldview and that it's very anti-Christian. And I was just wondering if you'd be willing to share your personal thoughts about these things with me. And after you've expressed yourself like that as lovingly as you can, sit back and listen. Be patient and listen. Now, I know that some of you might disagree with me here, and that's okay. You'll have to do what you believe God wants you to do. But I would urge you to graciously and lovingly share exactly where you're coming from, like I did in that sample conversation, before you ask them to share their thoughts. Because, remember, our goal is not to grill the teacher. It's not to pin the teacher down. It's not to make the teacher feel uncomfortable or put them on the defensive. Our goal, hopefully, is to have them as an ally, right? We want to work together, parent and teacher together, for the well-being of our kids, if we can possibly do that. You may think that if you state your concerns first, that the teacher may not be really honest with you. You know, that's possible. But, but again, our goal is not to make teachers feel threatened. We're not trying to put them on the defensive. We're not grilling them. We're trying to win them over. So, if, for example, the teacher were to lie to you and tell you, oh, yeah, I agree with you completely when you suspect he might not really, well, the conversation is not over. I mean, if they say they agree, well, then the very logical thing is not to say, okay, thanks, bye. No, we're going to keep talking, right? We're going we're gonna to say, well, what do you think we can do to help kids avoid falling into these unbiblical ways of thinking? And, and as you get into a little more detailed conversation, maybe you'll begin to realize what the teacher's real feelings are whether they really agree with you or not. But in any case, you know, even if the teacher's hiding their real feelings, whatever the teacher believes, he or she will at least know you are a gracious, loving, concerned, can I underline that word, concerned parent, and that you'll probably be having more conversations with them in the future. 
And the teacher will probably also realize you're probably the kind of parent who will be communicating with your kids about this stuff. Not the kind of red flags to watch for in the classroom, which, of course, your kids should be doing. By the way, what kind of red flags am I talking about? What could, well, there are lots of them. As you study critical theory and you study the sexual revolution, you'll pick up on a lot of these things. Let me just mention a couple of them here. There are teachers across this country who like to use the word equity a lot when they're talking about groups, and especially when it comes to racial issues and those kind of things. And what they're talking about there is equality of outcomes, regardless of the effort or achievement of the people involved. <laughs> It's often a code, guys. Equity these days is a code word that socialists use. Watch out for that word. You know, instead of talking about equality of opportunities, which is wonderful, or equality under the law, which is very important, they start talking about equity. So it could be a signal to teachers being influenced by cultural Marxism. You can watch for that red flag. Sometimes teachers seem to be trying to avoid using masculine and feminine words like mom and dad. I mean... Obviously, there's nothing wrong with the word parent, but if that's the only word they ever use, maybe a red flag. Or maybe they seem to be worried about the pronouns and getting the pronouns right, and they're afraid to use too many masculine or feminine pronouns. That could be a signal that he or she's being influenced by the transgender revolution. You know, at least possible. Just be alert to those kind of things. But as you and your kids become more familiar with what the Bible teaches about this LGBTQ plus revolution, about the nature of critical theory, and you need to ed educate yourself about these things, you, you'll be more likely to recognize it if and when it's introduced. You won't be fooled. You won't be subtly brought into it without realizing what's going on. <laughs> Ultimately, in some areas of our country, in the situation we find ourselves living in in these days, some parents are going to have to make the tough decision that it just might be wiser to educate their own kids at home. In some schools, in some public schools, it's gotten that bad. Or maybe to enroll them in a biblically solid Christian school. But listen, guys, uh, you know, even some so-called Christian schools are beginning to cave in. So you need to have the same conversation with teachers in Christian schools as you do in public schools. Because there are people out there in Christian schools who are caving into the secular culture on some of these issues. But I can't emphasize enough, these days, it's so important. Our kids need to know what we believe and why we believe it. You need to spend a lot of time, and you just make up your mind right now, you're going to spend a lot of time with your kids making sure they understand what God says about these things. Now, there are lots of ways to do that, so this isn't the only way. But one way you could do it would be to watch some of my videos. I've tried to teach some things about critical theory or secular humanism, and then there are my six Bible studies in Romans chapter 1, verses 16 through 32. They're all in that playlist. You can watch them together with your kids and talk about these things. You can pause the video and talk about it as you go. Just whatever you do, just make sure they really understand what it means in our day to be a biblical Christian. Don't cave. Don't let them cave. Do whatever you can. For a long time now, we've been living in a world where we just don't have the luxury of assuming that just because we took our kids to Sunday school, just because we took our kids to vacation Bible school, just because they prayed a prayer asking Jesus into their hearts sometime in their past, just because they've been baptized, just because they go to church every Sunday, that they're going to be fine. Don't misunderstand me. All those things are important. But that doesn't mean our spiritual work is done 
we've got to equip ourselves. We've got to do some work here, some mental work, some disciplined work. To the extent that we're able, we need to equip our kids, our grandkids, at least let them know the truth is out there. To be able to deal with these very powerful non-Christian worldviews that are just running rampant in many of our schools, in our government, in our media, in the entertainment industry. You've probably noticed it even on television commercials. And that's one of the reasons I put together this Veritas, Veritas 2020 series and the Warriors of Christ course that I'm teaching this year at Cross Creek. So I'd like to invite you, go to the links page for Veritas 2020 and the Warriors of Christ course. You can find the link at AboundingJoy.com. You'll find the links there. Go look at it, browse through those topics, and begin to familiarize yourself with some of that material and help your kids get equipped. Remember, the first piece of armor that God tells us to put on in order to stay in the spiritual battle and the spiritual war that we're engaged in, you remember what it is, the very first piece? The belt of truth the truth. And these things are an extremely important part of wearing that belt of truth in order to be prepared to stay in the battle in the spiritual warfare. We can't avoid it if we're going to be faithful Christians, guys. It's just where we are. It's what we have to do. Well, I hope this gives you at least a few ideas to get you started. Once again, I would underline beginning and ending here and all the way through the middle. Pray. Pray about all this a lot. Ask God for wisdom for how you need to proceed. And who knows, you know, you may find yourself being a useful tool in God's hand to encourage and strengthen a very influential teacher of kids and maybe help a teacher stay focused on the Lord instead of being sucked into these non-Christian worldviews. But as biblical Christians and as followers of our Lord Jesus Christ, I hope you realize we really have no choice, do we? We have to stay in the battle, don't we? Of course we do, till God calls us home, which he will. Probably pretty soon, we'll look back on it and be amazed at how quick it was. But meanwhile, stay in the battle, guys. Let's pray. Father, thank you for whoever's watching this video right now. I pray you'd help him or her take you very, very seriously. Lord, we know we're living in a very confusing day. And Lord, we have lots of sweet people, many of them teachers, who've been snookered, they've been deceived, they've been pulled into an ungodly, unbiblical, demonic worldview, and they don't even realize it. So Lord, if there's some way you can help us to help them, if you can use us in any way, we want to make ourselves available. Help us to be loving. Help us to be kind. Help us to be encouraging. Help us to be sympathetic. Help us to acknowledge very quickly and well and effectively that we can appreciate uh, what a difficult thing it is to be a teacher these days. But Lord, help us also to communicate your truth very clearly and to stand very firmly but very lovingly and to help our kids learn how to do that and to recognize it when these kinds of secularized, unbiblical, ungodly worldviews start sneaking into the classroom. Lord, please help us to be alert. Help our kids to learn how to recognize the signals, to see what's happening, and, and help us to keep good communication lines open with our kids as well as our teachers. Lord, we just want to protect our kids. We pray that you would protect our kids, and we, we pray for their teachers, and we pray for ourselves. Use us, Lord, in any way you choose to help people stand firm and keep their eyes on Jesus and, and not look back with regrets one of these days. 
We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.